Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with you for another episode. So as always with the disclaimer, I want to remind everyone that this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute working with a mental health provider and that you should seek out one in your area and especially one that is culturally appropriate and, and practicing cultural humility as well. So today's guest, uh, <laughs> we had a delightful experience at Big Bad Con 2023. And uh, there I had come to play the uh, game that I had also helped kickstart and finally had a chance to actually sit and enjoy one of these games. And this, our guest was running that particular one. And uh, I'm sure as uh, we'll, we'll probably reflect a bit on, uh, we took it to some directions that they weren't expecting <laughs> whatsoever uh, for it, but I think also appreciated sticking with the uh, cultural tones that were at play there. So we're me today. We are talking with Logan Bossy. Bose. Bose. Okay. Logan Bose is Although a. If you listen to anyone around me, Bossy is probably appropriate. Okay. Well, you were being a. You could be a Bossy GM as well. So. But Logan Bose is a writer, editor, actor, storyteller, and many thing other things descended from the Absoluka uh, Loki tribe. He's been involved in TTRPs and communities from before he could roll his own dice. In the last few years, he's been fortunate enough to involve himself directly in the industry. He currently serves as the lead story edit, lead story guide for Coyote and, Contro- and Crow, a contributor to the A Tribe called Geek, and is a contributing writer for Modifius's new Dreams and Machines IP. He, as he says, there's still many stereotypes that need to be rewritten, and we should be the ones to hold the pen. And no disagreement there. So, welcome to the show. Hello, Perry. Thank you for having me. Not a problem, and thank you for doing this. So, as I also ask everybody, how did you get here? How did I get here? So, <clears throat> um, I really started with RPGs from the time I was teeny tiny. Like I was changed mm-hmm. amidst stacks of AD&D second edition books. Um, my first rattles were dice tubes for champions. Uh, <laughs> I've been, I can remember mom coming home from her group and telling me stories about vampire. Like uh, the Malkavian clan was my favorite from the moment I could like read because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure you have quite a, a few feelings about the Malkavian clan, come to think of it, uh, being a mental health professional yourself. But for the longest time, I had my own groups. I did the normal gamer thing. Um, and then a few years ago, I was inspired um, to start writing professionally. And what really triggered it is that someone told me writing's the easiest thing in the world. And if you haven't done anything with it by now, you never will. Hmm. And I'm the kind of person who's 100% spite based. 
So with that, I decided to make it my primary source of income. And I've been working on that ever since. Um, and then in during the pandemic, I really managed to get things rolling with that. Um, that was also the year I took the language course for my tribe for the first time um, because it was the first time they'd offered it virtually. Mm-hmm. And I got involved with Coyote and Crow not long after that. And that's kind of how everything uh, transpired from there. Coyote and Crow led to running Coyote and Crow. Running for Coyote and Crow led me to meeting some really cool people. Meeting those really cool people led me to um, getting involved in different aspects of the industry. Beautiful. And uh, yeah, I do understand that aspect of spite. I can think of a few things, especially game related, that spite has caused me to end up creating games or running games because of it. So I get it very much so. Uh, But let's talk a bit more about Coyote and Crow, who I hope to have on the podcast later this year, too. Me too. Mm -hmm. So tell us more about Coyote and Crow. So Coyote and Crow is not the first Native American role-playing game. I think that honor goes to Edragor, but I could be mistaken. Um, I have a copy of that, too. Edragor is also amazing. Uh, But it is one of the first and it's one that's very um near and dear to my heart because it's focuses on an america that was never colonized um it uses different story elements and really puts forth a completely different world that never knew the uh colombian exchange Mm -hmm. it's it's very thought-provoking because there's a lot of things that just aren't a thing in coyote and fur like gunpowder not a thing uh so firearms not a thing combustion engine not a thing there are still ranged weapons and there are still transportation based largely on magnetism because certain tribes knew about the properties of magnetism so it's not unreasonable to think that they would have experimented with that technology same for solar energy um Mm. and another thing is there's no dairy because there are no cows and right. with no dairy there's no lactose intolerance which is something that uh, many native americans struggle with myself included um and just i love playing in this world and experimenting because it's different from the ground up like mm-hmm. society, very different thing um there's a lot more focus on the community there's a lot more focus on restoration than uh, punishment. There's a lot more focus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more focus on. So I say there's a lot more focus on the community. And that's the one I really want to stress because mm-hmm. that's the one that leads people to say, oh, so the game is about a utopia when really the only difference is nobody will starve to death on the streets in coyote and crow and if that's our bar for a utopia what does that say about us oh yes uh yeah that's that sense of what that means that's just the bare minimum Mm -hmm. um but that's 
that's the quick blurb for Coyote and Crow. Yeah, but it's a good one. I mean, even just to reference something that's in the last few years, what we saw with the expanse between the books and the television series and their sort of basic assistance that exists in that world on Earth, you still had enough, enough people who might as well have been starving on the streets on the basic subsistence that they're having in that world. And how that plays into the idea of community, too. Um, it's just, it's something that I think we forget about mm-hmm. a lot. Um, just because, uh, personally I've experienced homelessness a couple of times throughout my life. Um, and it's something that's really easy to forget if you're not going through it. Mm -hmm. Uh, homeless people kind of end up invisible in our society and there's, they're not a thing that really happens in the world of Coyote and Crow. You're not going to freeze to death on the streets, just like you're not going to starve, Mm-hmm. Um, and I I like that. I think mm-hmm. that's really- well, that's showing again the care for people and you, and like you said, the community. What is that community sense versus a much more individualistic thing that is most associated with Western Europe? And there's something that comes up a lot uh, with Coyote and Crow. Um, there's a a saying I really like that Mm -hmm. a right tide floats all boats. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I really believe. It's something I really like to practice in my personal life and something that I really enjoy in uh, running Coyote and Crow. Also, with Coyote and Crow, when people play it, they they end up learning more about Mm -hmm. history. They end up learning more about um, different societies things and experiences that they've never had Mm -hmm. Uh, like a big one is that i heard from another game master that a group of people playing coyote and crow uh the characters entered an old tomb and instead of worrying about what they could find they started worrying about whether the remains were correctly preserved and Mm -hmm a completely different mindset than oh mm-hmm. yeah go grave robbing today um mm-hmm. and that happens a lot like there's no wrong way to play but there is uh there's different takeaways from different stories like mm-hmm. the orb rule book is encounter 54 mm-hmm. and thing of it is that you're dealing with a Native American legend in that, specifically um, the Stone Man, which comes to us from various different tribes dependent. And the mm-hmm. Coyote version is explicitly a a, a force of nature, um, mm-hmm. not a but uh, another story guide was telling me that oh yeah, we finished that, we ran through it, oh, how do you, how do you end it? Oh, we killed the monster. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, boy. <laughs> That's the thing. If you kill that particular monster, he just comes back. Mm. You're not anything but buying the people affected like two weeks of peace. Um, and it's mm. it's a very different sort of mindset, I mm-hmm. find. 
yes, break in the door, kill the baddie. That's not really how things work, especially when you're dealing with um, legends and spirits. We're not trying to usually... Violence is not always an effective solution, and that's something I'm very proud of with the system. I, mm-hmm. I say proud. I want to be very clear. I did not help write the system. I got involved right after the Coral Guru book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I still feel a sense of pride in it because of how often I'm running it and how deeply I'm immersing myself in it. Oh, precisely. And I, because I, I think back to the game that we played at Quebec BadCon, and I could very much see how those that were more the warrior types didn't get the big fight that so many other games are centered around uh, a fighty, fighty violence solution to things, which, yeah, there's so many of our games in the t- tabletop environment that default to that mechanic. But thankfully, it seems like we still provided them something to do and still feel satisfied, even if they didn't have to actually fight something. Oh, absolutely. I'm very proud of that. Uh, not just with the system, but with that particular game in uh specific because we did use the pre-gens from the book mm-hmm. and for two warrior characters and neither of them felt left out at any point mm-hmm. so i don't think we had a single combat role the whole game no we didn't mm-hmm. and you'd run uh, that game three th- we were in the third iteration of that game you were the third for that con yes yeah. um that particular game almost a dozen times at this point, that story. Hmm. Um, and there's always been, there's been a couple of different ways it's been solved. Um, mm-hmm. Admittedly, yours is probably the most egregious, but I actually think the most narratively satisfying I've seen so far. And I say okay. agree, the most unexpected. Um, uh. Because there's normally a thing the following day that's the crux of the story mm-hmm. that you still went through, but because of what you'd done, it was a formality. The challenge mm-hmm. was already defeated by the time you went through it. And I was very impressed with that. Um, admittedly, I did not write the adventure with uh, a licensed therapist in mind, <laughs> but apparently I should have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A big theme in that story is grief. A big theme in the story is um, letting go of anger and kind of figuring out your own hungers and mm-hmm. how they control you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I was very impressed with how you guys handled it, even if I hadn't expected it. Thank you. Even creating walking server form, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it and it probably even then it still would have probably played out differently. One had a I recognized all the grief and the depression components just from my work, but I think also the choice of how we handle it too was also trying to be respectful to mm-hmm. the culture as well. Is like this is a cultural solution, not just a shall we say Western solution as well, or the violent solution. It it was a very in how you handled it was very interesting and i was very i approve very much um because again i want to stress there's no wrong way to play mm-hmm. that's something people constantly worry about oh i don't think i can do this respectfully 
And that actually ends up kind of hurting the game because then we don't have people playing it. And when you don't have people playing a game, it's a dead game. And I don't want mm-hmm. this game. Um, and honestly, if you go through the game and you have even like a couple of, uh, a couple of people who really care, you're not going to get as much wrong as people worry about. And mm-hmm. I've, I'm never going to get mad at somebody who doesn't understand or uh, what I like to phrase it as is if you're from backwoods, Ohio mm-hmm. and from exposure to native culture is what makes the red man red from Peter Pan. And you honestly think that's peak representation and peak respect. I'm not going to get mad. I'm a, we're going to have a talk and I'm a fix it. Right. But I'm, get mad because you're honestly trying and that's all i want you to do i can't speak for the team who created i can't speak Mm -hmm. for native americans but if you're ever worried about running or playing coyote and crow because i know that's the most common question i get like oh i love the game but it's hard for me to play because i don't know an indigenous person to run it do your best do your research Mm -hmm. do your best that's the most you can do. Um, there's hundreds of different native nations in the world still, uh, mm-hmm. regardless of how, um, regardless of other attempts in the uh, past. But uh, the one thing we ask you don't do is you don't claim your tribal, your character has a tribal heritage that you yourself can't claim. Right. And it's thing that uh, I, I think that's easy enough, you know. Uh, and that's that aspect of working from the standpoint of respect, because um, I know I can think of um, Lavar Burton's did one of the short stories that involved the having a, I think it was authentic Native American experience, which you think is going one way, but it flips and takes you an entirely different direction as i'm reading listening to that it's like yes that that is an entirely different native appropriate ex- experience for what has happened and to be able to respect that yeah i don't have a tribe i didn't that is native american and base that i'm not going to go out there and say i know definitively this is how we operate this is how we respond to this situation oh, or even the blunder i made during the game where i said a certain name that i shouldn't have in full respect for that. Um, but I could un- fully understand it because there's things in African American and African culture where, yeah, you don't say the name of these things. So I get the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I'm glad you brought that one up because the thing I've, I've written on this topic a lot, mm-hmm. uh, that, For the past hundred years or so, Native representation has been not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about 20, 30 years ago, we started getting some. And that was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the age of Chicote. That was the age of a couple of different things. Um, right. And uh, I've had conversations with people involved in Coyote and Crow that I want to introduce uh, a word in Chahi. Um mm-hmm which is the trade language in Coyote and Crow, that Chakotay means sloppy or poorly done, but that's not oh. there. Um, oh. 
at the same time period, you had native creatures and native monsters start making real and uh, more increased appearances in mm -hmm. media. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is that they always get changed and creatively right. thing. Um, folklore is one thing, but this isn't just folklore. These are uh, extant belief structures with adherence in the thousands, possibly millions, if we kind of mm -hmm. fudge some uh, tribes together, which you shouldn't do, but... Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you leave a lot on the cutting room floor to make right. good tea. And essentially, you introduce sacrilege to the TV, and it plays into infantilization because Native mm -hmm. cultures kind of don't get the same respect. Mm -hmm. uh, like, it's really edgy um, to show religious figures from other cultures in a poor light on American mm -hmm. um, But it's perfectly acceptable to take these native creatures and just make them unrecognizable. Now, mm -hmm. it's a little because religion and belief, it's it's hard. I get that. Mm -hmm. You end up leaving so much important context that I don't think you should have done it at all, especially when mm -hmm. you used something else. Half the time that people use the W Cannibal Sky Monster that ends in Go, mm -hmm. uh, would have done just as well, or a vampire, or something more, more common um, mm -hmm. that's not part of a closed belief structure. And it can still be done new. It can still be done well. You're not really insulting anyone by using these things. And I think that's the big difference. Um, but we're just now at a point when we get to tell our own stories as native people. Uh, we're just now in an era where we get to have our hand back on the tiller mm -hmm. and it's right for us to get here. And I, I very really want to make it, I want to make it very clear that I am standing on the shoulders of giants and people who have actually been fighting. And I am the beneficiary of so many people who have come before and made my way easier. And what I want to do is make that easier for the people who come after me. Mm -hmm. um, it's why I, I came up with the saying that we should be the ones holding the pen because that's how we, that's how we tell our stories. That's how we make sure they're not subject to the same level of degradation. Um, right. I know I've rambled significantly off the point. Oh, no, I, I think that's just a very key point. I mean, it's still also a point that I see uh, from looking at both African-American and African myths, how much and how much the various history monsters and so forth that aren't getting the same representation or getting that same switching, like just the, even the concept of the zombie where it mm -hmm. is now versus where it started in African culture of the aspect of the idea of having being, having your will taken away, put into servitude forever. And basically saying that 
you got they've got enough power to keep you from going to the afterlife and being at peace to be in servitude to somebody is a very different place than where we sit with the living dead and zombies we see in movies now well that goes to uh cultural thoughts on the dead for that matter the mm-hmm. after and how even if you look at um different belief structures from europe the afterlife is so different mm-hmm. is represented so differently for different cultures and it all gets ignored in favor of christian beliefs mm-hmm. because America. Um, Like a good friend of mine is, uh, I don't want to say he's a a follower of Nordic beliefs, um, but Mm -hmm. he's very knowledgeable about them because that's part of his heritage. And I have another story coming up that deals with um, Vikings in an interesting way. And I went to him and asked how do I do this respectfully? Because I kind of mm-hmm. want to take stereotypes, some old stories and turn them on their head, but I don't want to shift the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, oh, well, you can do it like this. And I was like, that's awesome. Um, because he told me a story about how uh, around a winter holiday, Vikings were sitting around a campfire and they were eating, feasting, making merry. And dead sailors came walking up out of the ocean and just chowed down with them, waited until a certain period of time, and then just left. And everybody mm-hmm. was pan- quiet because, yeah, the dead do this. Really mm-hmm. wish they would. It's super weird. Mm-hmm. But they do it. And again that's that's a european well scandinavian um culture that's just so different from christianity because if you look at christian beliefs with one exception you shouldn't come back from the dead at all the dead stay where they are or else Mm -hmm. Um, and uh a big one um like for my tribe, most of the time we don't say the name of of our dead. And if we have to, we append a word that I'm going to butcher if I try. Uh, that mm-hmm. means to the far side camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do that to be respectful of their journey. We do, but spirits of the dead they're not necessarily bad when they come back in, Hmm. in at least different native belief structures. Um, Right. uh, And then modern day, you know, you have a lot of people who claim native American is just ancestor worship. And I don't want to get too far into that, but there's, if it's outside the Christian norm, it's kind of ignored both in Mm -hmm. daily and even even in fantasy, um, so much of role-playing is based around this Eurocentric idea of, uh, of middle England, 
Um, and that's where we get like all of our tropes and all of our, our stories. Uh, basically going back to Tolkien and the monomyth mm. to the point that we call it the monomyth. Um, even though stories outside of Europe don't follow the monomyth nope. story structure. Nope. Um, no, they don't. So it's, it's, it's interesting. And it's a, it's a topic I, I could talk for quite a bit about. And maybe we need to have another podcast on that one. Cause I, as you were talking about that, it sort of clicked on me as well because I was talking about the zombies. But one of the other, depending depending on the African culture, is the idea of reincarnation and that the spirit is coming back to continue its development. So if you've got somebody locked in a zombie situation, they're outside of that cycle of continual rebirth and development as a spirit and soul, too, mm-hmm. which is also a nightmare scenario. Existential. In fact, it almost goes beyond existential nightmare because existential kind of assumes that it stops at the mm-hmm. end of your and your existence doesn't really end in that. But mm-hmm. uh, actually, for that matter, can we talk about how um, when we do see uh, different stories from other cultures, different beliefs get introduced, it's almost always negative. It's almost mm-hmm. always scary bad it's always always in horror um Mm -hmm. what i was just thinking about with the cycle of death rebirth and life uh actually comes from the legacy of cain games Mm -hmm. um and how the turning of the wheel was very important to that and also fate and destiny and um it's but you only see these concepts explored whether from a protagonist perspective or an antagonist mm-hmm. in horror games, in mm-hmm. games that are not considered to be a, a, a feel good game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause it's all bad. It's all horror coded basically. Um, and that actually touches on something else that I don't recall seeing in most native stories that I'm not familiar with. I'm not an expert. I'm not an anthropologist. I'm, I don't claim to have any credentials beyond dude who is interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think I've seen a lot of chosen one narratives outside of European culture. You, you see know, heroes. Yeah. But that's different. You know, you know, let's say that for the second half, because I think that's a beautiful place for us to delve further into, into that. Uh, as we go forward. How does that sound? Perfect. Sounds great. All right. So folks, come uh, come back for our second half. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with Logan Bose or Bo. Bose. Bo, like the speakers, Bo. but very expensive extra E. Bose. Okay, that works. Uh here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls and Tethered. So stay tuned, folks. We'll be back shortly. see what voice america is up to behind the scenes 
Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Welcome back, folks, to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with Logan Bowes, uh, writer, uh, author, actor, TV, TTRP, uh, spirit guide, story, spirit and story guide. Here, talking a bit more about their work with Coyote and Crow, is talking about DTRPs and stories and legends and such. And we, where we had just our sort of left off in the other section, we were talking about the issue of where stories come up around the chosen one. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, the chosen one narrative is one that really bothers me because if mm-hmm. there's, I hate more than anything else. It's the idea of destiny, destiny. Mm-hmm. I know people, a lot of people are comforted by the idea of destiny. I, I can't stand it. Destiny mm-hmm. sounds so, um, it makes it, it makes the experience worthless. Mm-hmm. If there's only one outcome, no matter mm-hmm. what, then why bother going through it? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I I hate it enough that if I found qualified, believable evidence that it was my destiny to save the planet, I would have to go through some severe soul searching before I just sat down and was like, nah, we're all going to die because fuck destiny. Mm-hmm. I can't. How how limiting is destiny how limited does your life have to be to take comfort in destiny and i'm being very um i know that's a hot take and i don't Mm -hmm. mean it uh as vicious as it came off i just really hate the concept of destiny overall and it the chosen one narrative relies on destiny um because when you're talking about chosen one archetypes, chosen one narratives, usually this person is chosen, especially in the older ones, this person is chosen because they're chosen. They were born. So they, they are, um, and it's this, this 
self-referential that's just mind-boggling. There's no inherent virtue to this person Mm -hmm. other than that they are the chosen one. And it's it's something you don't see, or at least I have not seen in like native stories. There's plenty of hero stories mm-hmm. uh, within tribe. There's the story of Lodge Boy and Thrown Away. Um, and I don't want to get too far into that because that's a great story, better told by hundreds of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the short version is that it deals with two brothers who are kind of carved out of their mother's womb on the cusp of being born. Um, One of them is thrown to another part of the dwelling while a different one is thrown outside and raised Mm -hmm. by monster and thrown away. The one thrown to another part of the dwelling um, grows up with his father as a very big influence because his mother's literally dead Mm -hmm. and child uh, goes through what meets his brother, redeems his brother. And they both, ultimately go through and um, become this monster slaying duo and they do a lot of other things, but they're not chosen. Mm -hmm. Um, Now you could argue that their experiences are what chose them, but they are shaped by their experiences. Their experiences are not shaped by who they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to hang this on. Um, I think we hit the same, hit a, hit a similar area uh, when working in the mental health side of it, where we're dealing with people who have gone through so, some horrendous trauma, and they're feeling like they're meant to do this, that they were never worthy of themselves, worthy to be in this experience. I mean, the negative self-talk that people will tell themselves because they've gone through these experiences, and it's been... It, depending on who they've dealt with, have thrown it on to that standpoint. Oh, you're destined to go through this misery. You are, you are only qualified to go through this misery and not actually be happy. So it, it shows up in other places without having to be a big story that everyone's trying to be their own monster slayer. Oh, ah, that was painful because it's so relatable. Um, Mm -hmm. And I might just have realized why I hate the concept of destiny. Thanks for that. Apologies. Uh, big revelations today, but apparently this is a uh, um, a habit around you. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah, the imposter syndrome is something that I struggle with, that most other creators and people of color uh, that I've dealt with have talked about. I've met one person um, who talked about not having imposter syndrome um, who told me that I've had to work this is talking about themselves that I've had mm-hmm. to work hard to get half as far mm-hmm. um, and of course I don't have imposter syndrome I I am a badass for making a single dollar in the industry I'm in and I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, you're right. But that still sounds like at least maybe not active imposter syndrome, but like overcome imposter syndrome is still imposter syndrome, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, just being yeah. dealt a different way. And 
the concept of the chosen one really bugs me because the concept of virtue um of virtues as part of the chosen one narrative that your own choices make you worthy your own choices make you the chosen one that's mm -hmm. a and that's one that i hate much much less the idea that the person you are is the reason that you are chosen i can i can stomach those stories mm -hmm. um not rather than you were chosen because of who you were born as um like i love the wheel of time series mm -hmm. and randall thor i hate mm. him always hated him he's always come off as this boring invincible hero and it's it's largely the concept of destiny the character i love in that uh anybody familiar with that or listening to me probably isn't going to be surprised by hearing me say i fucking love matt coven uh just everything he's ever involved in because of mm -hmm. he is and how he deals with things less a fan of him on the tv show but he's he's starting to mm -hmm. show the character qualities mm -hmm. uh, but that's for another time and robert jordan actually is one of the few people one of the few authors who i want to give a positive shout out to here as a as an influence to me uh because he went against that trend we talked about earlier mm -hmm. where different belief cultures aren't horror coded in his works they're uh, accepted parts of the narrative but if you look at his work it's it's pretty subversive for the time because it's it's not sexist it's not racist mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's actively anti-homophobic because there is a conversation had about uh, there's a conversation had at one point about oh, this character was um, worried that they were going to get blackmailed for having a lover of the same gender. And the character's talking about is, well, that's stupid. Literally no one in this world judges based on that, right? Right. And they're going back and forth about how no one judges, no one cares. And I'm like, okay, I dig this. Mm -hmm. uh, and that particular book came out in, I want to say the early 90s, but I could be mistaken. But it was still... Uh, different because at the time the fantasy genre was largely still male centric. It's largely still male centric, but mm -hmm. um, and very much still using that chosen one mythology as well. Mm -hmm. And um, the concept, the chosen one concept, is just very Eurocentric, like the monomyth, um, mm -hmm. and something that uh my absolute favorite writer of all time neil gaiman wrote down and i feel like hit the nail on the head is that native cultures don't do gods mm -hmm. we don't have we have culture heroes we have creator figures but they're still not gods mm -hmm. they're the difference is that culture heroes, creators, things like that, they're allowed to be wrong. They're mm -hmm. wrong within framing, whereas usually gods are right by just by virtue of being gods. Right. By virtue of who they are, uh, to tie it back into that. Um, whereas uh, 
Native American figures of power and belief are allowed to be wrong. Um, Coyote makes a whole thing about being wrong in his various iterations. He is a, mm-hmm. a about how you can be right and wrong at the same time. There's a lot of nuance in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to say there's, I don't want to say there's no nuance in European stories because that's not accurate. No, no, it's, but it's which ones have people have sort of put their um, buy-in around and have said that this is it. Mm-hmm. Which because... is why, which is why when we were playing the game, I took that, uh, my character took that moment to tell the story, uh, a story about Coyote and dealing with that duality nature as much mm-hmm. as I could in the space of our game. And <sighs> life is complicated. Yeah. People are complicated. Um, saints can do bad things. Mm-hmm. Bad do good things um but the stories we tell children the stories that are super popular the stories that get pumped up are too often just so black and white and again we're mm-hmm. seeing time moves on but the reason i said i don't want to say european uh stories are are uh not nuanced is because they're not you can find a ton that have layers nuance all of it um, it's just that the ones that have survived and gotten popular are the ones without nuance. Right. And like happily ever after. Mm-hmm. That's a very much a conversation I have to have with people uh, when I'm doing both couples counseling or just counseling, talking about the idea of relationships. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm glad you brought that up, but again, maybe that's something I need to talk to you about after the fact, because <laughs> I have to deal with constantly that mm-hmm. oh, yes i am in this happy relationship and it will never change <laughs> uh, but that's the thing even with stories mm-hmm. quotes is that stories don't end there just comes a point where you stop telling them mm-hmm. and trick with happily ever after is knowing where to put that end yep because life gets complicated mm-hmm. even relationships even the best stories and honestly a life without conflict number one it's going to be boring yep number two it's not going to make for a very good person i think i don't want to say an interesting story the trauma makes people because that's not that's not true but Mm. in my people who have gone through things end up being kinder more compassionate people. Um, not my story, but my former spouse, uh, right after Hurricane Katrina, mm-hmm. went as part of a Christian, um, as part of a Christian mission to rebuild homes in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't religious herself. And they were baffled that she could want to help. Mm-hmm. why would you want to help if you don't believe in hell right and her answer was because I don't need hell to make me be a good person mm-hmm. and I think that leads into a whole other concept about a whole other conversation about how good a person can you be if you only do things for fear of punishment um, 
it's also one that ties back into American gods. Um, Mr. Wednesday talks about how there's no one more dangerous than people who do things solely and only because it's the right thing to do based on their mentality, because with this black and white thinking, you can justify literally anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you don't need that fear of punishment to motivate you to be a good person, I, I ultimately just think that's, that's something that comes more from dealing with trauma and going through some things in your life. Um, which now, makes me, yeah, which oh, now makes me think about my character from that game. And it's like, uh, we never really talked about what my character's trauma was. Oh, I don't think we needed to talk about it just because most everyone's trauma came up in game, in story. Um, and you, who were running a Hanu at the time, mm-hmm. had to be the rock. And interestingly enough, you were also the most pragmatic character. You were the <laughs> closest to a black and white thinking. Um, again, wasn't there, but mm-hmm. you were. And we never really talked about Ahanu's trauma. Yeah. And he was the one who was about doing things right. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, and it's not like I, I wrote that, I didn't write that character mm-hmm from the book that I didn't work on. Um, but there you go. Mm-hmm. It's this thing where, if nothing else, a wider breadth of experience gives people a more diverse pool to draw from. And it's kind mm-hmm. of the found empathy. Um, and that's the big cornerstone of Coyote and Crow, that society is built on empathy because it's based on some of the Native American tribe systems. Mm-hmm. The people of uh, Cahokia in Coyote and Crow don't need a fear of afterlife punishments to be good people. They see someone struggling and they help, which is a good Christian value, but which a lot of good Christians don't follow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm not talking about all Christians. I'm not talking about Christianity as a whole, but then again, the best Christians I know usually have had to deal with quite a lot of struggle in their personal lives. Um, and it's something interesting uh, with societies that focus on community versus mm-hmm. that focus only on the individual. Um, Like in Christianity, sacrifice is considered to be above and beyond. It's it's one of the highest, highest virtues is to sacrifice yourself for things. Whereas in more communal cultures, sacrifice is, I don't want to say expected, but there is the expectation that you will have to compromise, that Mm -hmm. you will have to do something uh, for the community. Um, and whether that's good or bad is a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Which is often influenced by what the outcome is. And there are times when I'm talking with clients, I'll have to ask the question, it's like, 
what are you willing to sacrifice to have this change? Um, and it's, <laughs> that's a very armor piercing question, isn't it? I bet people are mm-hmm. pretty quiet most of the time. And it also reveals how many people think they want something better without actually making any changes. But to have something better, to have something different, you're going to have to sacrifice something. To have something different, something has to change. And Exactly. Even the concept of sacrifice is different from person to person. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know a ton of people who would regard McDonald's as a sacrifice, whereas I know just as many who are like, yeah, I'll give that up happily. Not a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at people who function only on base logic and even they're constantly. Ultimately, I think my point here is that I don't think. I don't think we think enough about how much we think about things or how much we just kind of automate our thinking in some regards. Mm-hmm. Um, concept of sacrifice is incredibly weighty it's one we're constantly making whether or not we think about Mm -hmm. and it's one that we constantly have to have to come up to because i know personally that i was not always a good person um even meeting me five six seven years ago totally different totally a worse person but that now I've been through quite a bit of different things and number of them. I've been through at least five years of therapy at this point. Mm -hmm. I like to think I'm a much better person and I'm constantly making mental tabulations about the ethics of something and how it's going to come out. And I think a lot of it does base around how much you think about other people when you make those mental tabulations, which everyone is constantly Mm -hmm. everyone regardless. Um, And a big thing for me at this point is how does this affect the people around me? How mm-hmm. does this, um, not just me, not just my children, because when you think about it, your children, your spouse, your family, your friends, those are all kind of extensions of you as a person. Mm-hmm. You're still looking at it through a lens of how does this benefit me? I care Mm -hmm. about, so how does it benefit me as opposed to people who have nothing to do with you? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really where the element of community comes in because a community is very squishy concept. It can extend as far or near as, as you can make it in the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something that I think about a lot. Uh, And it's also that brushes up right against that concept of um, enlightened self-interest and doubles back on sacrifice even because selflessness as a concept is almost selfish because Mm -hmm. ultimately you're still getting rewarded for doing the right thing and sacrificing because you're getting the good feelings. You're knowing that you did the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that really gets kind of depressing if you follow that thought too long. Because if you do, it kind of eliminates the idea of 
selflessness as a concept. But at that point, you're getting so esoteric and so uh, so esoteric that you, you've kind of gone beyond what most sane people want to deal with on the average right. day. Um, Which sort of becomes its way of defaulting back to, can I just punch it? Yeah. I mean, life is a lot easier when you can break it down black and white and you can just punch your way to a happy resolution. Right, which is some of the things that also became very difficult for a lot of people hit as we dealt with the pandemic. Who can punch a virus? No one. The virus. Um, the people who can punch a virus didn't get listened to. Because, mm -hmm. again, um, at a certain point, you're dealing with the difference between conventional, pre-conventional, post-conventional thought. And um, the pandemic really showed you how many people never got past pre-conventional thinking, mm -hmm. uh, let alone into post-conventional. Um, and it's, it's, it's scary. Mm -hmm. Which is all the things that we also find as we explore the various games and tabletop adventures that we write and play in this genre. And Coyote and Crow is one that very much deals with post-conventional thinking and it's one that, uh, like, D&D &D is one that focuses pretty heavily on the concept of um, pre-conventional rewards because mm -hmm. you get a reward. You kill a monster, you get experience. And potentially it's gold. Mm -hmm. You break, you get the things that were in the tomb. Um, whereas the way to level up in Coyote and Crow is explicitly uh, handled through short-term and long-term goals mm. and short-term goals uh, get you it's just a basis of how big your reward is but it's much more um, of a soft system mm -hmm. because your short-term goal is often something like help the village or um, in your case a finish the buffalo run mm -hmm. uh, game whereas the long-term goal for a hanu might have been um tie yourself more closely to the spirit world mm -hmm. we're talking the difference between uh things accomplishable in one or two sessions versus what might take an entire campaign right. or at least in story arc and it's something that DD has started doing at least in fifth edition but before that, most of the rewards, like if you go back to uh, second edition, all the rewards are based around what can you kill? Right. How can you kill it? And how fast can you kill it? Right. Um, but that was back when the game was a little different, when it was a situation of players versus DMs. Um, mm -hmm in this kind of slow march towards it becoming a more narrative focused game and plenty of people who don't like that, who mm -hmm. would rather it stay that adversarial relationship um, that leads to this winners and losers mentality yeah. uh, because they want this reward 
Whereas the story can kind of be its own reward. Um, Mm -hmm. The experience can uh, be definitely rewarding in its own right. And it's, it's something that I really love. Um, Like within that story, I had at least one player tearing up mm-hmm. uh, the ending. And I get to have that happen so often where my players literally leave the table having had these emotional experiences that mm-hmm. they will remember for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, recently at a convention that dealt with... Um, where I constantly told people, oh yeah, I love making my players cry. And on its face, that sounds terrible. But Mm -hmm. when you cry during a game, just from the emotions that you and your character are feeling, it's something you remember the rest of your life. Right. Like, there are players who will still tell me about Uh, who will still call me up and reminisce. That's nothing unusual. But one of the things I talk the most about is a game 15 years ago um, from the world of darkness where we were playing tabletop, but we got so immersed in the role-playing of it that I literally got strangled for about a half (laughs) where the player involved knew, realized what was happening. Um, just because of the emotions involved and we still bring it up um you know a decade and a half later they were very remorseful so it was funny uh and i didn't get hurt or anything but Mm -hmm. you remember those moments way more than you ever remember getting that plus three sword um and the exceptions to that are like oh yeah i got through the tomb of horrors uh which is a meat grinder and the accomplishment therein comes from completing it, not, not playing in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas I love knowing that I can give people in four hours an experience. They'll remember the rest of their lives. Oh yeah. Uh, I've I've still got some of the earlier games I've played that I still remember. Like everyone telling we're stuck in it. We're stuck in an air vent. Everyone's ba- basically asked to face, and there's a giant snake at the end of the, uh, uh, the air vent, and really, only person who can do anything is the first person in line. And it's like, oh, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. I can't do anything. And they get to me, and I say, okay, I'm firing thorn missile. And it's like, wait, why are you doing that? And it's like, did you read the rules on thorn or on essentially magic missile? It will only hit the thing that I wanted to hit. So it's bobbing and weaving around all of your asses and hitting hitting the snake at the end of the It's like only two of us could really do shit during that game. You figured out a way to break the rules and you remember that. You remember that experience. Mm-hmm. How many years ago was this? Oh god, this was over 20 at least. Yeah. Um, just because but do you remember the first time you ever got a plus two weapon? No. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and first experiences are usually, you know, uh, solidified more than other memories. And you don't, you don't remember it. Like 
almost no one remembers the first piece of treasure they ever got in D D because it doesn't matter. Nope. Almost because what we've realized over Yep, we're getting what a little we've lag realized here. over twenty years in this industry over the twenty years in this industry is that um what people are really after is that story. They mm-hmm. want to be able make that story and it's why D and role-playing games in general will always have a niche that they can never really be overcome at least in the near future mm-hmm. um world of warcraft um because yeah your, your raid group can kill illidan or the frozen uh the lich king but it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because that's going to be um Another group is going to come in five minutes and do it all over again. Nothing mm. you do matters. Nothing changes. That's that's really what sets apart D&D from other games, that your decisions matter mm-hmm. within the world, within the story, um, that you can see on a very short time scale the impact that your character has. And it's something that I think a lot of people are trying for. Um, especially that's why for so long D and D was just played by nerds. It was just played by people who um weren't getting feelings of accomplishment in their personal life. Now, again, mm-hmm. this was right when it started. Uh, it was a much more niche thing, but it gave them a feeling of accomplishment and Nowadays, those people have gone on to accomplish different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them, if you talk to them, they'll tell you that, oh, yeah, playing D&D helped them become a better person. Because they had these experiences, they learned teamwork, they learned what that feeling of accomplishment felt like. And they got to feel like winners, some people for the first time in their lives. Um, mm-hmm. Again, this is kind of dating myself terribly, but uh, now this was, again, 20-ish years ago. And now D&D especially has become so mainstream that you can find it in Target, and I love that. Mm-hmm. All of the role-playing games that scratch different itches, that let people get these different experiences are on the market. Games that are different, games that are clones, games that are based on mechanics that you've never played before based on things that you didn't think could be gamified like you have all these different experiences just waiting for you and it's it's something that i can't stop thinking about it's something that i'm glad i get to be a part of um i constantly write stories uh that i think people are going to remember um just based on what they are and coyote and crow ends up giving you a lot of those experiences because um because it's a different world it's such a different Mm. setting that you almost can't help but have teachable moments the whole reason i wrote uh that story was to have this moment where somebody said the name of a thing you're not supposed to say and got corrected which was because me. <laughs> it gives you an experience to re-educate the public, 
based on um, uh, a more informed perspective. Um, and again, I'm not any kind of authority, but I know this one thing. Mm-hmm. Pass that on. Um, I've got another story coming up that deals with uh, other things about cultures, specifically native cultures. And I've got a whole story written about one aspect of my my tribe, uh, the Absaliga, that I think is really cool that I just want to share with people. And Coyote and Crow gives me that opportunity. Um, and it's something that I really want to be able to share with as many people as possible. Beautiful. Well, I hate to say we probably we need to be wrapping up there. But uh, when you got that game cleared and it's cleared the NDA, let's talk about that one. Oh, gleefully. Perfect. So where can folks find you? Where can they find Kikaidi and Kikro as we uh, part ways for right now? So you can find Coyote and Crow on its website. I think that's just coyoteandcrow.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Logan Bowes. I'm terrible with social media. I'm also uh, Akichiwe on Blue Sky. I was Akichiwe on Twitter for as long as that was a thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I've mostly transitioned over to Blue Sky. Uh, you can find me at my website, loganbows.com. It's horribly out of date, but I'm currently working on bringing it up to line with some of the things that I've accomplished recently and turning it into a more generalized uh, portfolio site to get a hold of me. And if you need to email me directly, just do so at loganmbows at gmail.com. I'm really friendly, and I think I've established that I'm kind of a chatty bitch. <laughs> Which was also part of what made the game we played so much fun. So, with that being said, thank you I like again. To try. Yeah, with that being said, thank you again for being on here, and uh, I look forward to our next game. It was an absolute pleasure, and I cannot wait. Shanuk the Orgawak. Till then, folks, be well. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, For another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.